1029 The Hog presents another Bob and Brian podcast. If you've forgotten the difference between watching a movie and experiencing one, you need to visit Marcus Theaters. Start by visiting MarcusTheaters.com. Good morning, Gary. Good morning. How are you? Uh, we're we're well here. We're just we're down one man. Yeah, if that's what we call him. <laughs> yeah, that's now. Uh, well, he's. Now we we wish him nothing but health. He has an X and a Y chromosome. He's a man. All right. So there you go. what's uh, what's going on? Christine well, McVie news, passed away. Yeah, biggest news, biggest news, of course, of the week is Christine McVie of Fleetwood Mac passed away on Wednesday, age of 79, unexpectedly. Apparently after what the family's calling a short illness, nobody knew of anything really prior to this. Even Stevie Nicks and her message about it said she didn't even hear that Christine McVie was sick until the weekend. But, uh, you know, a lot of people are very sad about this, and rightly so, I think, within the creative you know, combination of what Fleetwood Mac was, you know, Christine McVie was the earth mother amongst, you know, between Stevie Nicks and Lindsay Buckingham. She was, you know, her songs were very down to earth, both lyrically and musically, great melodicist, you know, excellent singer. And she had the most hits of any of the three of them. You know, she was, she was Fleetwood Mac's primary hit songwriter. And uh, last night I went, and listen to some of her songs. You know, they are really good songs, like um, "Songbird." You know, the live song. Oh, well, song "Songbird's amazing. The, you know, yeah, you you have "Don't Stop." You know that she did. Uh, she did. Yeah, "Say You Love Me," um, "Hold Me." You know, there was a ton of them. I did for Billboard. You know, I did a ten best, and had a hard time finding. You know, really picking those 10 because there were, uh, you know, that's picking from, from a very big list. Uh, one of the things I really enjoyed going over and, and writing about was her creative relationship with Lindsay Buckingham. Um, they weren't exactly Lennon McCartney, but Lindsay was really an outspokenly in awe of Christine McVie's songwriting and her melodicism. She in turn was willing to let him, him have his way, not like that, but have his way with her with her songs, and you know, bring that kind of Lindsay Buckingham avant weirdness to her music. So that's how you how you did get stuff like Hold Me, and uh, even her solo hit in 1984, Got a Hold on Me, has a very Lindsay Buckingham Tusk uh, kind of Fleetwood Mac sound to it. So they were a really great creative partnership. Uh, somebody who could start the process with a great song and then hand it off to somebody who'd make it even greater. I, I I watched some of the live videos of them last night, and you could see that. When she she kind of looked at him like, wow, look what he's doing right now. Like, yeah. Uh, she was, of, you could tell she was impressed. Total affinity you yeah. know, for, for each other, which, you know, given the collision that happened between, on the other side between Stevie and Lindsay, you know, this is like the polar opposite of that, pure cooperation. You know, they weren't going at each other. They were working with each other, whereas the brilliance of Lindsay and Stevie was they were going at each other. Hmm. And that, ten- that tension was something that made their son- those songs great. No, no, uh, Lin- no mention of a cause? No, not yet. 
Okay. But uh, I had heard yeah, she, know, she knew she was sick, right? Like in, a, uh, that's, yeah, in that's an interview, she on. said she hopes to be alive, like, right, for a yeah, couple more remote. years or something. Yeah, yeah. And that, that, you know, at the time, that sounded just kind of like an old person talking about, you know, every, as we all understand, every, every day I'm above ground is a good one. That, that's what that sounded like. But, you know, perhaps there was some sort of ailment or she was in remission from something. We just don't know yet. And I'm sure, I'm sure at some point we'll hear. You know, meanwhile, everybody's weighed in, you know, throughout the rock and roll world. Of course, Fleetwood Mac is a band and the members individually. And, yeah, everybody's just very sad about this. And, uh, you know, I think, you know, people are wondering, does this mean the complete end of Fleetwood Mac? I mean, this is the band you can't seem to end. You know, you look at its career and how many members have been through it. And they did spend eight years without Christine in the band. She took a leave of absence from the band, and they toured a few times with uh, Stevie and Lindsay fronting the band. So who know who knows what can happen from here? But but I do think this may take the wind out of the sails of them wanting to do anything too. Yeah. All right. Who's uh, who's playing the Super Bowl? Uh, well, it's not the Super Bowl. We know that the Super Bowl is going to be Rihanna, but this is the what they call the Super Bowl Music Fest, and this is a series of concerts oh, I'm sorry. Uh, that, go, that goes on before the Super Bowl, and it'll run from Thursday, February 9th through Saturday, February 11th, which is Super Bowl Eve. And we've got a lineup for uh, the uh, the show is going to include uh, Paramore um, on the is going to headline the Thursday night. Dave Matthews Band ha- is headlining Friday, and then Imagine Dragons and Kate Brown are ha- are doing Saturday. So if you're going to be in Phoenix, and uh, you can go to SuperBowlMusicFest.com, get the lowdown, sign up for tickets, do all that. So you know that'll be a rocking time. It's funny how we went from the Super Bowl being the Super Bowl. To now, it's a, it's an entire week's worth of activities. Right. It used to be well, uh, the uh, up with people show will be the halftime act, right. and then it became more and more, and then the national anthem became a a thing yeah, that people then, wanted it on. So now and then there, there's the the pregame. They haven't announced the pregame parking lot performances <laughs> yet. <laughs> right. That's coming next, Gary. You know it. Oh, so, yeah, will. And so, yeah, if you're a music fan, you you definitely. To uh, you get to experience a lot with the Super Bowl. What do you think of the new Metallica song? I like it. Yeah. I like it. It sounds. It sounds. It's much more of an old, older school Metallica song. Although you know the people who complain about Metall- the new school Metallica stuff, the stuff with load and reload. I always take that with a grain of salt. It's like really. I mean, when I listen to it, it sounds like freaking Metallica. But yeah, uh, Monster maybe was a little weird and. You know. A little, but not that much, really. Mm-hmm. But anyway, so they have this new song called out called Lux Atena, which are Eterna, which I think I pronounced right. That's Latin for Eternal Light. It comes from a new album uh, that'll be that'll be coming out uh, in in 2023. And then the band announced a tour. Uh, they're going to go on a big worldwide tour. Interestingly, doing two nights at, at stadiums around the kind of around the u.s at least uh one day apart and they'll have different opening acts uh, each night and they're promising a different set yeah. uh, the first night first night of each run is pantera and wolfgang van halen mammoth wbh and then the second night will be five finger death punch and ice nine kills uh, it's not coming to milwaukee the closest shows i guess will be november november 3rd and 5th. that's that's last year or next year sorry 2020 uh, in St. Louis, and then November 10th to 12th uh, in Detroit. And, of course, if you guys want to come, I have room at the end for you. All right. Excellent. 
We're giving away uh, a trip to uh, or tickets to Chicago's the show in Chicago in 2024. Yeah, that's yeah, August. Well, that's true. They they did announce all the way then. So yeah, but yeah, if you want if you want to see it sooner, St. Louis and Detroit. I would imagine the way Metallica tours, they will come to Milwaukee at you some think? at some point. It may be 2025. You know, they're clearly following the model we've talked about so much with the uh, the Rolling Stones and Paul McCartney. You know, you do X number of shows a year. You don't have to kill yourself doing a 90-city, 100-date world tour anymore. Uh, they'll, they'll parse it out over the course of three or four years and hit everywhere they want to hit. And set up for two shows instead of tearing yeah. down yeah, after was, one. Exactly. So that's interesting. You know, it's going to be an interesting concept, see what it's like. I like I like the different opening acts aspect. Uh, for me, night one, you know, the 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 new Pantera and Mammoth WVH is sounds like a pretty good night with Metallica. And the and the different set lists too, because yeah, mean, yeah, exactly. if you're a big fan, you'll go see both. Yeah, both yeah, nights. absolutely will. You know, they've been doing that for a while when they play a city more than one night. And in fact, when they did their 40th anniversary concerts earlier this year, sorry, it was last fall. In San Francisco, they did two very different shows. How about Motley Crue's uh, warm-up date before they, I don't know, tour for real? Yeah, Motley and Def Leppard, right. Well, they, they're taking the stadium tour overseas in February um, and going to places where it's warm enough uh, to do that. But before they do that, they're going to play the Hard Rock Live um, in, in Atlantic City, only 7,000 seats. Uh, so it'll be a very, you know, by those standards, intimate, intimate show. That's those are going to be February 10th and 11th, um, warm up for the for the tour leg in Europe. And these will be the first shows without Mick Mars ever. Um, you know, they announced his retirement uh, from the band, at least from the touring aspect of the band. And uh, so John Five will be taking his place, and then uh, and then they'll be off to Europe. Well, by calling it a warm-up, they make it sound like, well, we're just we've never played before, but we're going to try yeah, it but now. Yeah, but... But yeah, well, it is it is a good way to kind of break into production, get back into touring. You know, it's a good idea not to necessarily play in front of fifty thousand people on your first date, and it'll have been like six, seven months since since the stadium <laughs> tour wrapped up here. All right, uh, we talked about the Rolling Stones five-pound coin a little earlier, and uh, saw that it was. A silhouette of the band. We're trying to figure out what that looks like. Have you seen the coin? I, I've, I've seen pictures of it, and so yeah, it's just kind of them, not with their face. What you'd imagine a silhouette would be, not with their faces, but you can tell by their posture and their their body shape and their head who's who. I mean, Ronnie Wood, you don't miss the hair, Mick mm-hmm. Jagger. You know, they they have attitudes. And, and, you know, you don't see the lips in this, but they still have an attitude to their posture uh, that you can see. So, that, so yeah, Charlie Watts is part of it as well. And it's a, it's a uh, five-pound coin, not five pounds, but five right. British pounds, um, which is a value of $6.04 here in the U.S. And uh, you, can, you, know, you can order it online, and you can, you know, you, or if you have friends in England, they can get it for you. And ship it over. I think you may even be able to get it if you have a bank that deals in foreign currency. They can order it for you. What? Uh, so that's, that's kind of a fun piece of Rolling Stones memorabilia to have. Yeah. What is uh, Bob Dylan apologizing for? Bob Dylan is a, and his publisher are, are apologizing for the so-called autograph copies 
of his of his uh, brand new book, The Philosophy of Modern Song, which, by the way, is an amazing book. Uh, if you're looking for something good to read or want to get somebody a great holiday gift, that's not my Alice Cooper book that's coming out. Uh, Bob Dylan's The Philosophy of Modern Song uh, is, is a wonderful, uh, wonderful, wonderful book. And I hope I got a tiny hand applause for that shameless plug. There. <laughs> well, um, I was going to say, <laughs> no, let's flesh that out a little more. What, what's well, the we, Alice we, Cooper we book? Let, let, well, let's get done with Bob Dylan first. Okay. So since we started that. So basically they were charging $600 to get an autographed copy of the book. Turns out these were not hand autographed. These were a machine autograph. You know, they took a Bob Dylan uh, autograph and, you know, turned it into a press no. and they machine autographed it. And, yeah, people found out about it and were livid because, you know, for $600, you want the real thing. You and should get the real thing. Right. Authors do this all the time. They stack them up and they will, uh, you know, and then they, they sign, you know, a few hundred copies and they sell them at premium prices. Yeah. So first look. First, the uh, the publisher did come out, Simon Schuster did come out and say, you know, they're sorry, we are refunding uh, your $600, you know, just charging you the copy of the book. And then Bob Dylan, who almost never uh, communicates with the public at large, did go on Facebook to write an apology saying he's been made aware of it. Here's how it was explained to him, you know, and it did not happen uh, the way you know the way he was blaming the pandemic a little on oh, on yeah. the difficult on the difficulty of being able to get into a room to sign a bunch of books or whatever. Hmm. But but and he said he said with the deadline for the book, you know that that's what created the issue where they wound up using a machine press, but he didn't think it was going to be a machine press. He calls it an error in judgment, and I want to rectify it immediately. And he's working with the. You know, with the uh, publisher, with Simon and Schuster, to uh, to rectify it and make make good for everybody. So I don't know if they're going to offer an actual autograph copy down the road with a discount to those who bought them, or uh, you know, hopefully we'll hear about a solution sometime soon. It just doesn't seem very Bob Dylan-y to have a machine. So maybe William no. Shatner, if he wrote a book, you know, right? Or yeah, or or most any author, but right, not this but- was and especially, you know, come on, six hundred dollars, you know, that's that's a lot of money, and so you should you should be getting an, an authentic signature. Well, you won't be doing that with your book, right? No, Yours no, will be will authentic sign, signatures. I will, I will, everything everything will be authentic. <laughs> and, uh, Excellent. Right out of right out of the trunk of my car. All right. And <laughs> how do we get that in time for Christmas, Gary? Well, that, so that this Alice Cooper at seventy five is available for pre order wherever you pre order your books. And, uh, you know, Amazon and uh, from your independent bookseller, which I certainly encourage. And it's called Alice Cooper at 75. And the actual publication date is January 31st, which means it'll be in stores probably mid-January, if not early January. Funny thing about the book industry I've I've learned after doing a few is that you, whereas in the music industry, they give you a release date. And the book is, you know, on the shelves on that, or the CD or the album is in the racks on that release date. In the book world, they send it to the bookstore, and who puts it on the bookshelf when they have a it? So it could be sitting in the back for oh. a week or two. All right. And uh, so, you know, you can always go in and ask for it, too. All right. And, Thanks, uh, Gary. There will be, and there will be some giveaways uh, here on The Hog uh, come January when <laughs> okay. we have physical copies. Absolutely. Thanks very much. Have a great weekend, Gary. You guys too.